Thanks for tuning in for this sermon from Real Church Goshen. We pray that this message will encourage you to do the work that God has called you to do. All right, so you all know this is a new month for us in February. We're doing all kinds of weird stuff, um, which means um, I don't get to practice preaching every single week. So if I'm rusty, it's your fault. <laughs> um, I'm, ex- I'm excited to get into the Word tonight. Um, tonight I want to talk to you about um, an interesting topic for me, interesting enough that I wrote it all down so that I don't forget it. Um, so hopefully that works out for us all. Um, but I do want to say thank you so much to everyone who helped um, last week um, for us to do the drive-in movie uh, for the community. Um, we had a great time with that, um, and we were really pleased with um, everyone that came out for that, especially considering we had to you know, deal with you know, 10 inches of snow and moving everything around and um, I, I know that all the guys when we were setting up, they were really concerned about my head as I was telling them how we were going to set this up, and we were ratchet strapping tables to on top of tables, and I think everyone was kind of looking like, this is going to be a big fat failure, um, and I want to be on the front row when we watch it happen. Um, but it did actually worked. Um, so praise God for that, uh, because I am telling you, we've got some pictures of how the screen looked when we were initially setting it up, and it was terrifying. Uh, just to be quite honest with you, it was absolutely terrifying. I, I called Beth, and I was like, I'm just telling you, this is scary. <laughs> um, So I have never owned a sailboat. You might be surprised to hear that, um, that I do not own a sailboat. Uh, But we were about this close. (laughs) We were this close last week um, to sailing away on that. Um, Actually, I'm pretty sure that Brian, Billy, and Ricky at one point were practically sailing away. I mean, they were holding it with everything they could. That was great. It was great. Um, Anyway, so I I, want to say thanks for that. Um, I'm excited about what God is doing in that and uh, uh, what he is leading us into. But tonight I want to talk to you about getting back to a place where we truly see Jesus as the Holy One of God. The Holy One of God. Because I think, and maybe you guys will be like, hey, after service you'll be like, you're wrong about all that, um, and that's fine. I can I can handle that. But I believe that over time, our understanding and our perspective of who Christ truly is has been kind of muddied to our own level of commitment to Him and His Word. So, part part of what we've done, and this is just you know, I'm just spitballing here. Just roll with me for a little bit. Um, part of what we've done is we have, um, we've allowed the response in the lives of other people, okay, everyone else, who claim to be faithful followers of Jesus, we've allowed that to disrupt the true understanding of what it really means to be a Christian. See, we, you know, listen, Tom, I, I don't judge, <laughs> Ain't no judgment here. I don't judge nobody. But let me tell you what we do in the church. We may not judge in the way that many of you are thinking 
uh, of judgment, but you may judge someone based off of how holy you think you are relative to their holiness. And here, here's the problem. We will look at someone and we'll say, well, I'm better than them, <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm doing pretty good. The problem with that is that the person sitting next to you, the person sitting across from you, the person sitting in front, they are not the measuring stick. And what we've done is we've allowed, we've allowed so many people, and I'll, I'll tell you where it gets really muddy is when the pastor is the measuring stick. And I have told you a hundred times, if I've said it all, that I will fail you miserably, <laughs> and I'm, I, am, I am no better than anyone else. But a lot of people, what they do is they will put a pastor, a leader, a person, a spouse, listen, whatever it is, on such a pedestal that as long as maybe I'm just a smidge above that, I feel like I'm doing great, you know? Um, and, And what we have to understand is that we have to see Christ, see him as the Holy One of God. We have allowed everyone else to be the measuring stick. And by that standard, we all look really good. (laughs) Because guess what? In that scenario, you get to pick your measuring stick, right? In that scenario, it's really, really easy for someone to say, well, you got sister so-and-so, and I feel like I'm doing pretty good when I, when I kind of look at sister so-and-so. Or, I mean, wherever it is, you can fill in the blank with however you want. And we have to understand that they are not the measuring stick. And I want you to turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 as we dig into this a little bit. Um, and I, I want to set the stage for kind of what is taking place, what is happening uh, before I get into this passage. So Jesus has been going and he has been teaching, Okay. Um, at this point, he's actually teaching in the synagogue, um, which was, you know, I'm not going to get into that. But, but he, he has had these large crowds following him everywhere. It's kind of like every time I go to Chipotle, like large crowds just follow me, you know. Um, I used to say that on Saturday nights because most people would go with us to dinner after service on Saturday nights. And I could be like, these are my people, you know. <laughs> Please serve them delicious burritos. Um, but but so Jesus Jesus is teaching in this large class, and these these crowds have been getting larger. Okay, um, they're crossing seas to come follow him. They're following the signs, the wonders, the miracles, all the things that are happening. And so here he is. He's got this platform just laid out for him to cheat, teach. Like I mean, when you think about it, for pastors, um, that's what pastors are like vying for. I just want to be able to preach to a lot of people, right? That's like their goal in life, okay? Um, It's funny is uh, I was thinking about, um, you guys probably saw I put it on Facebook, that uh, Brent Howery, you know, the Howery's came over. I was was shoveling off the the steps on the front porch of the church. Um, By the way, there is ice within that snow, if you didn't know that. And it's like this thick. So it was really cool and fun. A lot of fun. Um, anyway, so I'm out there, and I'm digging out, and I'm digging out the front steps because um, it j- literally just looked like a slide, which I wanted to use, but I knew there was concrete below, so I opted for not doing that. Um, so anyways, I'm out there shoveling, and I hear, 
I can hear them fire up the uh, the skid steer and start driving down the driveway. And I was kind of like, I can put my shovel down now. Because <laughs> what I do is I just make a lot of noise until they come out. No, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just out there with the shovel, just banging it against stuff like, are you coming? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Because um, they won't drive the skid steer up the steps for some reason. But um, anyway, so, so, so Brent comes over. And he's like, hey, how much of the lot do you want me to clean off? Where do you want, you know? And so um, super, I mean, just amazing that they always clean that off. I, I, always, I always brag about that because, you know, in, um, in three plus years of being a church, we've never had to pay someone to clean our lot. Uh, and I don't, I don't ever ask. Like, I work at the church for my, you know, my, my actual job that pays me money out of the, my church office now, which is great, which is fantastic. And even when I pull in during the week, and it snowed, the lot is clean for me. And it's just me. Maybe he's worried about my truck getting stuck. I don't know. But anyways, I don't want to talk about that. But, but anyways, as he's cleaning it off, I can remember when Beth and I were planning a church. And I remember the first time we sat down with the, uh, um, the, who was the administrative overseer for the state of Ohio at the time. And I remember saying, we want to plant a church in Goshen, Ohio. And he was like, in where, Ohio? Like, where, where are you putting this church? It's Goshen, man, you know. And he's like, where is, where is Goshen? And the thing that they tell you when you're planting a church, church planting 101, especially in today's world, go to the big city, man. Like, like if you want a platform, you want an opportunity, you want to get a lot of people, you need to go to a city with X amount, tens of thousands of people um, to go pastor because that's where you, you know, it's, it's the law of numbers, right? You get enough people and that's going to work and it's going to do all these things for you if you do that. And I was like, no, I'm going to Goshen. And as he was plowing this off at no cost because we're in the country and the farmers across the street have a skid steer, I thought to myself, and this is exactly why I didn't go to a big city. Because see, God laid out everything for us to be able to minister effectively to the community. And I, I, what I'm interested in getting into here is, is Jesus, right? Jesus is going, and he's going, and these large crowds are coming, right? And so by a pastor's standard, he's knocking it out the park, right? I mean, he's got the people. He's got the crowds. They're excited, okay? And so I want to read to you what it says in verse 60 here. As he's teaching, it says, When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Now, I want you to understand when it's talking about disciples here, it's not just talking about the 12. It's talking about this entire large crowd of people because they had been following him. So it's not just 12 disciples. It's all of these disciples that are following him, okay? And so they, so they say, who can listen to this? This is a hard teaching. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Oh, that'd be a crazy thing for him to look at you and say, wouldn't it? Like right in the middle, you know, pastor right in the middle of teaching. It's like, hold on a minute. Are you offended by what I just said? You know, I'm like, woo. Like, I'm thinking if I'm out there, I'm like, I wish I was in the back pew today. Um, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. It says, for Jesus knew from the beginning 
who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Verse 66 says this. I want to focus on this for a minute. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. I want you to hear this. There are people who, in your life, when the rubber meets the road, they are going to leave. When it gets a little hard, when it gets a little difficult, when it's not quite the way that they thought everything was going to be, they're going to disappear on you. They're going to throw in the towel. They're going to decide this isn't what I signed up for, and they're going to be gone. And if you find yourself on shaky ground at that point, if you are not in a solid place, this is where you will begin to collapse. See, because if you are being held up solely by these people that have surrounded you, the moment that they let you down, the moment that they disappear, the moment that they don't quite measure up, all of a sudden you will question everything around you. And so what we have to remember is who God is in this, right? See, too many people find that their stability, honestly, it isn't in God. It's in everyone else around them who says that they are of God and that they are in the things of God. I, 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 can, I can tell you so many times that we've heard people, yeah, 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 and I, and I, and I believed him, and now I don't, I don't know what I believe. Well, son, you ain't got it right from the start. <laughs> I mean, that's just as simple as it is. We have to put God where he is supposed to be. What I find interesting about this passage is this, uh, um, uh, is Jesus. This is, this, is, this is Jesus. So think about this. Here Jesus is, and I don't know if you know this, Jesus was the son of God. Um, he was fully man, fully God, and pretty amazing, um, like all-knowing and all these good things, and amazing Jesus. Again, they were following him because of his signs and wonders. They've seen the miracles. These, these are people who have seen the miraculous. They have seen, they've been a part of it. Some of them may have even partaken in it, okay? And they're leaving. See, in the church, we want to get all chatty when someone leaves the church. Did you hear about Sister So-and-so? <laughs> right? We want to um, get into all this noise, this blah, 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 this gossip, gossip, go whatever it is, okay? We allow that to derail our own spiritual growth because we're looking in the wrong places. We are growing angrier with God because of someone else's lack of faith. Why? Why do we allow ourselves so easily to lose sight of the fact that he is God and they are not. That pastor that did so and so wrong, he's not God. She's not God. That, that sibling, that whatever the story is, God, they are not God. And it's crazy to me when you look at this because you have to understand that these were supposed to be faithful. I mean, the Bible calls them his disciples. Like, think about the severity of that decision. And so 
there, you know, in your life, there may be people that have made the decision to walk out. And I'll just say this, and, and, and this may be right or wrong, and you guys can correct me later, but some of those people have maybe cut you off saying they've done it because of God, that God told them to, or whatever the story may be. But you need to understand you cannot allow someone else's judgment that's being poured out upon you to disrupt your vision of who God is. We are letting everyone else influence who God is to us, and that's not the way it works. I'll tell you this, your mother or your father are in that same boat. No mothers and fathers are going to shout for that one. All right, (laughs) hold on now. I taught them well. Um, Their decision to walk out didn't change the deity of who Christ was. Think about that. There was a statement that was being made as those disciples turned around. They said, whoa, 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 hold on. This is a hard thing that you're trying to tell us right now, and I'm not quite sure that I'm following along with this. And so you see these people start turning around and walking away. But it didn't change who Christ was. It didn't change the purpose of his life. It didn't change the deity of who Christ is. So just because someone walked out on you, just because someone left you deserted, doesn't mean it changed your purpose in the kingdom of God. We have allowed everyone else's opinion. Listen, I will tell you this. Bethany and I, we have been, we, we were at one point so damaged from what happened in a church that it was like everything was out the door. I mean, we were so we were so distraught, we were so upset that it was just it, our purposes, our our everything. We were just we were just to that point and we didn't even know what the snot we were supposed to do anymore, <laughs> right? It was rough. It was hard. It was difficult. And we had to get to the point that we also had to recognize that nothing changed our purpose. I'll never forget this because we were youth pastors. And, and I'll tell you what happened. Um, we, were, we were called to minister to youth, okay? And Bethany and I, we were, we were called to the jacked up, messed up, crazy kids. Like, we just loved them. We just, there was just something about them. Um, I, don't, I don't know how we related to them, because to be quite honest with you, I wasn't like that as a kid. Um, but that's, that's just the kids that we connected with. And those were the kids that would come to our youth group. And honestly, we got in trouble for that. I mean, we at one point were told, hey, um, you're spending too much time with the broken kids. And I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, that, is that my job? <laughs> you're a volunteer. I know. Okay. Um, but we, we were so invested in seeing these kids come to know Christ. And so all of a sudden, when we're no longer in this position, we're like, what are we supposed to do? And we did something crazy. It was a few months. I, it may have been six months later. It may have been a year later. I don't even know how much longer it was. But you know what we did? We started to minister to teens out of our house. We just started, we we're like, we're just going to start a, a youth group, like just us. And we started, we would take the kids and we would go minister and we would, we would literally teach them things. We would take them to parks and we would teach them lessons right there. We, we started doing stuff. And I'll never forget, I had, I had a, a, a close friend of mine call me one day and he was like, what are you doing? 
And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, dude, you can't can't just minister to kids. Like, you got to be in a church. You got to be a youth pastor. And And I remember saying this to him. I remember saying, just because the church didn't give me the position doesn't change my calling. So I am not going to wait for an opening for permission to minister where Christ has called me to minister. Just as in Jesus's moment, when they turned around and they started walking away, it didn't change what his purpose was. Okay, so you're going to walk away and leave. Cool. Still son of God. Still got to do my stuff, right? I wish he would have said it just like that. It would have been cool. There's, it's probably in the message version. I need to look it up. Uh, it's probably, hey, still doing my job. Deuces, losers. Um, I don't think he said that either. Uh, <laughs> Someone looked that up in the message. Um, no. But, but look at this. Look at this. Because in verse 67, I love what Jesus does here. So then he says to the 12. So, okay, remember, we were talking about all the disciples earlier. They all start leaving. And what does he does? He turns to his most faithful the 12 that he has handpicked. These aren't people that just came up and followed him that just came out of nowhere. These are the 12 that he handpicked. And he turns to them and he says, do you want to go away as well? I mean, he's honestly giving them an out. He's saying, look, they're leaving. Everyone else is deserting me. Everyone else is going back to what they were going to do. So what about you? Are you guys just going to go up and leave now? Because here's your chance. And while this may look like a small thing, you need to understand that many of the believers expected Jesus to come and set his kingdom up on earth. They were waiting for him to come and kick some tail. I mean, that's just what, that's what they were waiting for. So when you see, think about this, in a church. I mean, if you put this in a church picture, this is crazy, okay? Because if we as a church, all of a sudden, all these people keep, I mean, this, the church is getting completely filled. We're opening windows. People are standing outside. The church is getting so filled. And then all of a sudden, I start sharing something, and they're like, whoa, guy's a little mean. <laughs> and they start walking away. The first thing that you're most faithful are probably going to say is, oh, we got to oh, keep them, man. Like, like, we've been doing this for like three plus years, man. Like, all of a sudden we got all these people and now you're saying stuff that's kind of making them upset and they're kind of leaving, you know? And Jesus says to them, hey, do you guys want to go too? <laughs> See, because he knew his purpose. He knew his placement. And so many of us are confused about what we're supposed to do that we just follow the masses. Oh, everyone's leaving? They didn't like that? Well, I don't like it either. They just go with the masses. And so, I mean, if you really think about this, um, all this growth, all these people, all these followers, everything that's happening, this is probably like, the first church split in the New Testament, <laughs> like if you really think about it, you know. And the numbers probably weren't in Jesus' favor because it says that he looked to the 12. So I don't know how many disciples there were that left. My guess is more than 12 left. So a 50 to probably 90% turnover rate in the church discipleship program. That's not good, <laughs> I laughed and told you guys the other day that nurseries, um, our nurseries have killed people uh, because they, they would serve in the nursery and then they just, 
They would disappear. They would never come back. (laughs) I'm praying for those that are down in the nursery right now. (laughs) Linda's never left. So that one's, she's, she's in one of those 12 people. Um, So, but I want you to look at how Simon Peter responds. So Jesus asks this question in 68 and 69. This is what Simon Peter says. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. See, Simon Peter and the disciples, they knew that he was the Holy One of God. In his, in his world, there was nowhere else that they could possibly go because they knew who he was. And the problem that we have is that we don't recognize him as the Holy One of God. Because when you recognize him as such, your answer to you should go do this or you should come do this or you should come be here or you should your answer is where else would I go because there is nowhere that has more depth that has more meaning that has more impact on my life than being with the holy one of God and what we've done I think we've fallen into this trap because we've seen Jesus as our Savior. We've seen Jesus as our friend. We've believed him to be all that we need. We've believed him to meet all of our needs, but we need to come to know him as the Holy One of God. I, I, I've, I know I've told you this before. There was, a, there, was a prayer, uh, there was a prayer conference that happened here in the state of Ohio, and there was a, a gentleman that was teaching at this prayer conference that just messed everyone up. Messed everyone up. Because he asked, and these were pastors, okay? These are, this is a prayer conference for pastors where they are ministering to the pastors in the state of Ohio. And he said, I want you to tell me in one word. I want you to describe Jesus to me in one word. And they were all, you know, love and, and grace and mercy and all these things. And he said, and this is the problem. It's holy, and we have, and, and, and he's all of those other things too. It's not that he's not all of those other things, but he is the Holy One of God and we have to see him like that. We've removed the holiness from who he is to just be our friendly neighborhood God, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really the way we look at him now. We lean on him when we need something. We lean on him when the finances are a little tight. We lean on him on this, that, and the other. When things get bad, when things get bumpy, when things get rough, we lean on him. We go to him then, and we do these things. But we don't just see him as the holy God that he is. And it's that, it's that, that disruption of an understanding of who he is that is allowing us to be complacent in our faith and in our walk and in who we're called to be. See, You want to know why those disciples walked out on him? It's because they never came to that place where he was the holy one for them. See, when you recognize his holiness, it changes your perspective on everything. When you only see him as your genie in a bottle, that's it. That's it. But when you see him as holy, 
It changes. Our lack of commitment to his ways and his statues is simply because we haven't gotten to the place to know him like that. It's easy to not live like Christ when you ignore his holiness. It's so much easier. See, we play the charade, we check off our boxes, but we refrain from being committed like Simon Peter was to say, look, I know that everyone else is walking away. I know that the fields are starting to empty out. I know that they don't like what, you, what they're saying, what, you, what you've said. I know that it's disrupting them. I know that it's changing everything that they knew. But I know that you are the Holy One of God. And there is nothing that anyone could do, that anyone could say that will disrupt that vision of who you are to me. That's where we need to get. We have allowed every little thing to completely disrupt our vision of God. Every politician, every pastor, and in all these things, we're allowing his holiness to be built off of the holiness that we perceive of others. We've allowed our eyes to be on every other person and thing, and we've interpreted their actions as the very action of God. And the problem is, that's not the way it works. <laughs> it's not the way it works. So Jesus, Jesus hears this, right? Simon, Simon responds this, and what does Jesus say? He says something so interesting here. He answers what Simon says. Simon says, you know, Simon says, where else would we possibly go? Because we believe that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus says this, did I not choose you, the 12, and yet one of you is a devil? Man, I read that and I was like, what the snot is he saying here? <laughs> did I not choose you, the 12, and yet one of you is a devil? So here's Simon. Simon's like, God, we, we believe in you. We are faithful to you. We are following you. You are the Holy One of God. Jesus doesn't respond and say, cool, thanks, man. <laughs> Which is kind of probably how I would respond, to be quite honest with you. Thanks, man. Thanks for not bailing on me when everyone left the church doors. Appreciate that, pal. Jesus says, did I not choose you, the 12, and yet one of you is a devil? Man, I read that over and over, and I was like, what is he saying here? What, what, is, what, is, he, what is he pointing out? What is he trying to say? And, and I think, you know, when I think about this passage, when I think about this scripture right here, this is what I think. I think if a pastor has ever been fired for a really bad staff member, this is the scripture that I would prove my case that I shouldn't be fired if I was that pastor. <laughs> like, hold on a minute. Okay, youth pastor, probably not the best pick, but Jesus did pick Judas, okay? Right, that's what I would do. Like, that would be like, come on, the guy, you know. Because that's kind of what he's saying here. He's kind of saying, look, I chose the 12 and one of you is a devil. See, this is, this is what I thought about this. There are people who could very well be handpicked of God and they will completely let you down. There are people that I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you are going to see people in the body of Christ that are going to have failures because there's a big news flash right here for you. We all be humans. <laughs> we all fail. We all get angry. We all have these flare-ups, these issues, because none of us have worked it out. None of us have gotten reached perfection. We haven't got there. 
And I think when I look at this, and I, you need to understand that there are people who have had an impact on your life that are going to fail. They're going to let you down. They're going to disappoint you. But they cannot allow you to question who God is. Because Jesus handpicked the 12, and one of them is a devil, right? I mean, as simple as that. You are going to go through life, and you're going to experience failure through other people who you thought had it all together. But they are not the chief cornerstone. They are not Jesus. And as long as we live this vision of holiness through someone else's life, we will not experience holiness like Simon Peter was experiencing here. Because your eyes aren't ever... looking. the 12, the 12 very well could have been just a part of that other group where they were looking at the disciples, they were watching them all leaving, and they were like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think this is, this doesn't feel right anymore. They could have walked right then. But see, they had been close to Jesus. And see, when you get close to Jesus, you can't not experience the holiness of Jesus. But as long as you want to kind of keep your distance and you just kind of want to do the churchy thing and kind of show up and do, you know, whatever it is, you may never experience that. You may never see that. We've, we've assessed the sin of others to be on a greater scale than the sin of ourselves, so we wear our holiness pin because <laughs> we think we're good enough. We think we've got it. And I'm telling you this tonight. We have to get to a point where we truly see Jesus as the Holy One. Not just as our Savior, not just as our friend, not just as our provider, not just as the things that you fill in the blank with whatever you, whatever you see him as. And we need to see him as the Holy One of God. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to get to. And that's what we are called to be. Thanks again for listening to this message from Real Church Goshen. You can find out more about us and our services by visiting us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Real Church Goshen.